Think about that for a minute. Tis the season. When you hear those words, what comes to your mind? Tis the season. To be jolly. <laughs> All right, there we go. A little deck the halls moment right there. Tis the season to be jolly. Man, you guys are good. You guys are good. You guys know it is the season. This idea of tis the season really is this, this idea of signifying that there's, that there's a new season that's upon us. It's a, it's a season where we remember Christ's birth. Really, that's what Christmas is about. Christmas isn't about just the presence under the tree. It's not about the fancy decorations. It's not about shopping. It's not even about family. It is about Christ's birth. It's a celebration of Christ's birth. So I want you to look at your neighbor and be like, it's a party! It's a party! It's a party. And what's funny is, is that along the way, some of us have developed what I would say are some... I wouldn't say they're bad habits, but, but how many of you today suffer from OCD, obsessive Christmas disorder? Come on now. How many of you, by a show of hands, you would confess that you have an obsessive Christmas disorder? Okay, you may not, you may not be willing to say that yet, but, but here we go. Maybe you have an obsessive Christmas disorder if you listen to Christmas music, not just during the season, but all year long. Okay, all year long. You may have um, obsessive Christmas disorder if you're the first person in your neighborhood every year who always puts their lights up first. Okay, you, or maybe, maybe here it is, when, when uh, the time comes around for you to put the Christmas decorations up, you know, like in February, you still have them up because you really, you know, you can't part with that moment. You're like, it just looks so pretty. It looks so, it looks so great. Uh, maybe for you, um, you have obsessive Christmas disorder if you plan your whole entire month of December around Christmas parties, around family get-togethers. It's like everything is around in that. Um, here we go. Here, here's a good one. Your favorite food groups are peppermint, eggnog, and Christmas cookies. You may have obsessive Christmas disorder. Here, here's another one, and this is one that I see all over town is uh, you wear reindeer or Santa hats out in public. <laughs> out in public. Yep, and when we think about that, you would say, tis the season. <laughs> tis the season of that moment. And um, when I think about the season of Christmas and I think about all that's happening around us, there's excitement that comes to my mind because I know this, that in every season that there's always a different season that's coming after that. So the season of Christmas, we remember Christ's birth, but then we also get to remember and come into the Easter season where we remember the greatest sacrifice that Christ paid for us. We get to remember the fact that he rose again three days later after giving himself upon the cross for you and I. And when you think about all the different seasons that come, I know seasons can be difficult. But the beauty about a season is, is that there's always another season after that season. So some of you, this morning, you're sitting here and you're like, maybe you don't like the Christmas season. Maybe for you, you don't have obsessive Christmas disorder. Maybe for you, it's like, I don't even like Christmas. Maybe for you, there's pain that's attached to Christmas. But here's what I want to encourage you with, is that there are seasons that come and there are seasons that go. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, we, 
we read this, it says, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Now this comes from, from the wisdom literature. Um, we would see this, that many scholars believe that this was, was probably King Solomon who wrote this, so David's son. And he would have been writing this in a moment where he was reflecting. In fact, if you look at Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 1, it starts off, he says, from this old preacher, this old man, this preacher man who's considering really the question of the meaning of life. And sometimes that's what Christmas really does, is it brings us to a moment of questioning the meaning of what's going on around us. King Solomon, we would say, was looking really at the... the, the um, the fertility of life. He was looking at how, how life can seem so short and how life can seem so fragile. But yet, there's this idea of fearing the Lord in the midst of it because we know that for everything there is a season. And, and really, young people should really remember this because there is a season that's coming. I think of my, my middle son, Gabe, and he is so excited about driving. He cannot wait to drive. He, he asked to drive all the time. How many of you remember back to when you wanted to drive all the time? Now you're like, if people could just drive me around, that would be fantastic. Just drive me around, drop me off at the front door, right? Like, go warm the car up, bring it up warm. Like, if that could happen, that would be great. But for Gabe right now, he's like, I want to do that. So every Sunday after church, he's like, Dad, can I pull the car up? And I'm like, absolutely, young man. And he just runs out there. He's excited, drives the car up. Dad, can I drive home? Absolutely, here you go. Now, sometimes I don't want him to drive because he thinks he's a race car driver. And so he's, he's, a, little, he's a little speedy in that. And uh, his judgment of when to stop uh, is not always the best. So sometimes we're kind of testing the seatbelts a little bit to make sure they're working. But, but there's this idea of, of seasons, and seasons come and, and seasons go. When we think about tis the season, um, there's uh, five different areas when I think about this month. And, and so the next few weeks, what we're going to be doing is looking at these different seasons. Like we're going to be talking about tis the season today of, to welcome. We're going to be talking next week about tis the season to give. The next week we're going to be talking about tis the season to celebrate. The next week we're going to talk about tis the season to receive and then at Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about tis the season to believe. Because in this season, there is things that are happening around us. And today, I really want to talk about this idea of tis the season to welcome. Tis the season to welcome. Now, for many of us, when you came in today, you saw the Christmas decorations up, and you felt welcomed, did you not? I mean, I saw people literally out there taking pictures in front of the Christmas trees, and someone was over there trying to take a picture of it and trying to get back and make sure everyone stays out of it because they, they just felt welcome. There's this, this idea of creating an environment for you to engage and to feel welcomed. For many of us, it comes to you setting your home up in that way. You have family that will be coming home for the holidays. I know Kasha really wanted the house to be decorated, so when Jordan came home, she was coming home to the house being all decorated. And we have the, the privilege of having two Christmas trees, and, and so we have one in, in there that is all Kasha's fanciness, and it looks amazing. 
Um, and then we have one that's the family Christmas tree. And it has all of our Christmas ornaments and all the pictures of our kids when they were little, right? Like, and all the embarrassing pictures you put them out there. Like, they're all sitting out there uh, in, the, in the back room. And uh, there's this idea of creating an environment for people to feel welcomed. Now, we have a tradition that every year when we have been, want, or been setting up the family Christmas tree, we watch the movie Elf. And uh, it's, just, it's just a tradition. We always watch it. And there's a scene in Elf where he hears, Buddy the Elf hears that Santa Claus is actually coming. And so he gets so pumped, he's so excited, and so that night he stays after it when the, when the whole department store closes up, and he, he makes all these decorations, I mean, he just, he does all this stuff so crazy, and then the next day, um, everyone's amazed at how it looks, and the store manager of that department comes in and is like, someone's, you know, trying to get my job, this is too good, the, but there's this whole scene, because why? Because what Buddy's trying to do is Buddy is trying to welcome Santa. He's trying to create the environment to welcome him. Now, for some of you in the room, you're like, I have not seen that movie. And so I thought, how could I go back a little bit and grab a movie that probably everyone is familiar with in here? And I thought back to my own childhood, and I remembered a movie um, that actually had a, had a big play in my life. And uh, it's from 1966, okay? It's an animated TV film. Uh, it's based upon a book that was written in 1957. So I think that I'm capturing a little bit more of our generation here, and maybe when you see this, you'll actually, maybe they'll just take you back to that moment where you were. Here we go, watch this. Grinch stole Christmas. It would bring you back to that moment. I remember as a young man watching that for the first time, I was actually a little scared of the Grinch. I thought, how could someone be so mean? How could be someone so, like, evil? But then you meet Max, his dog, which just, as a boy, you fall in love with Max, the dog, and you think, man, it's so cute when he becomes the reindeer. And then, of course, all the ladies love Cindy Lou Who. And uh, 
the whole scene of that that you just watched was this idea that they're getting everything ready to welcome Christmas. From our church to the community around us, we're always creating moments to try to welcome people in. Everything that we do here on Sundays is about creating a welcoming environment for people to engage in and to encounter just one encounter with Jesus, we say, does what? Changes everything. Just one simple encounter. And so from the greeters at the door to the coffee that we serve, we're trying to create an environment that's welcoming for people. Because why? Because hospitality is a big deal. Now, by definition, hospitality is this. It's the friendly reception and treatment of guests or strangers. The quality of receiving and treating guests and strangers in a warm and friendly and generous way. So we get to set the stage for how we welcome people in. And I just want to say to each and every one of you who helps serve in hospitality here at Bethany, can I just say thank you? In fact, can you just give all those a big hand right now? Come on. Because a lot of times what happens is, is they, they, they don't really feel like they're being remembered. And so maybe next time you walk through the door, just say, thank you for holding that door for me. When they greet you with a smile, say, thank you. Uh, when they're helping you with get your kids checked in, say, thank you in those moments. When they're serving the coffee back there, say, thank you. Because what is happening is, is we're trying to create an environment for people to engage God's presence. Because hospitality is no small matter. In fact, in the scriptures, we would see that during uh, the time in, in, of when the scriptures was written, hospitality was huge. In the Old Testament, we see where really from Abraham to even now the apostles and all that, God called his people to greet one another with love and with honor. For instance, in the Old Testament, it was, it was kind of like a fupaw out there if you actually didn't welcome someone, if you didn't actually show hospitality, hospitality, hospitality. I don't think that's a word. Hospitality. It's not a word. Hospitality, um, not tility. Uh, hospitality. If you did not show hospitality to somebody, like you could find yourselves in trouble. You weren't just bringing dishonor to yourself. You were actually bringing dishonor to the entire village, the entire city. Because if you weren't being hospitable to other people who were out there and actually helping them and helping create a welcoming environment. Uh, in the New Testament, we see where where Paul really shares this idea that you and I are to actually, as leaders, be hospitable. In fact, he actually says for qualifications for those who are leading in the church, he says uh, like this in Titus chapter 1 verse 8, he says, but hospitable. He go, lists through all these things that they're not to do, and then he says, but be hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. It's interesting that hospitable is actually in that list. Think about that. Self, self-controlled, upright, holy, disciplined, and hospitable. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2 through 7, he actually goes through and lists out the qualification of those who would be as elders or overseers. And he says this, Therefore an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable. Able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, but a or not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity keeping his children submissive. Or if someone does not know how to manage his own household, um, how will he care for God's church? And this is huge. He says, it says, he must not be a recent convert 
or he may be puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. So there'll be letters that will be coming out, and I I wanted to read that whole thing because it's not very many opportunities where you get like this to to be able to share. We're going to be coming into a season this next year where we'll have new board members who will be coming on possibly. Um, or we have maybe re-electing board members are there, and, and these are qualifications that are there for those who we're looking for to be in places of leadership here at Bethany. And why is that important? Because as we continue to move forward, it's important that we have people who uh, hear the voice of God, who understand that they are here to support um, the leadership here at the church, and can, can I just say this, the board is not also, and this is a total side note, but the board is not here to just hear your complaints. That's not the purpose of the board. You may say, well, I elected the board members, so doesn't that mean, no, that's, that's democracy that's coming in, and can I just tell you, that's not at all, even in the scriptures, how it's supposed to be. See, See, the board is there to help support, like Aaron and her who helped support Moses and held his hands up when the battle was raging. They're there to support in prayer. They're there to, to be a part of helping support the church and give counsel when we're facing different things and walk through those. They're not there to be the sounding board for you and all your complaints. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't want to hear and listen, and that doesn't mean that I don't want to hear. I I. I I love hearing from people when they'll say, hey, Pastor Brian, I really, I really like this, but man, hey, here's a challenge here. Because we want our body to be well cared for. Why? Because we're trying to create an environment for people to be welcomed. And we believe that if we can create an environment that's welcoming, what will happen is, is people can encounter Jesus, and when they encounter Jesus, everything changes in one moment. You see, the church should really be the most welcoming place on planet Earth. I mean, you, you should walk into the church, you should walk into Bethany, and you should be like, oh my goodness, I feel like I'm a million bucks. Every time I come there, like the people are friendly, they're nice, they're welcoming. Man, it, it, like they give up their seats. They, they're willing to give up their parking spots. They'll do whatever they, they can because they're trying to create a welcoming environment for people to encounter Jesus. Why? Because one encounter with Jesus changes everything. I love how Peter says it, and this is our passage of Scripture that we'll really be spending a lot of time in here today. It's in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. Peter is sharing um, these thoughts, and he says this. He says, everything in the world is about to be wrapped up, so take nothing for granted. Everything in the world is about to be wrapped up, so take nothing for granted. He says, stay wide awake in prayer. Stay wide awake in prayer. He goes on to say, most of all, love each other as if your life depended on it. For love makes up practically anything. Love makes up practically anything. He goes on to say, be quick to give a meal to the hungry, a bed to the homeless, cheerfully. Now notice that, cheerfully. Be generous with the different things God gave you, passing them around so all can get in on it. If words, then let, God's, let it be God's words. If help, then let it be God's hearty help. And then he says this, that way God's bright presence will be evident in everything through Jesus and he'll get all the credit as the one mighty in everything 
encores to the end of time, oh yes. Now some of you may be sitting there and going, my translation looks a little different. That is from the message translation. And as I was reading through the message translation and the ESV, I said, you know, this carries the same context of what the ESV is carrying in here. I I feel like this really describes this passage of Scripture well. And when I think about this passage of Scripture, there there are some things that come to my mind, and there's four things that really jump out at me. And I'm going to say this. These are four things of how to welcome so if we're, if we're to welcome people, if we're to welcome people this Christmas season, tis the season, right, to welcome people, how would we welcome them in our homes? How would we welcome them in our church? How would we welcome them into our workplaces, into, our, into community with us? How would we do that? And I think that Peter here actually shares with us four keys with how to create a welcoming and hospitable environment. The first key is this, is he talks about pray. You know, everything starts with prayer. The second thing we see here is he talks about love. Love. And then the next thing we see here is is about preparing. Prepare. And the last one is this, is honor. Now, we're going to take a moment and go through each one, but but these four things, you want to know how to welcome people, pray for them, love them, prepare for them, and honor them. If we would pray for the lost, pray for people who are going to be coming through these doors, think about that for just a moment. Think about the power of prayer. Everything rises and falls in our church on prayer. The amount of prayer that we put in is going to be determined much of how the success that we come. Now, that doesn't mean that we're moving God's hands and he's somehow looking, oh, but what happens is, is prayer is actually communicating to the Lord, which then allows us to hear what God wants to do. And how many of you know if we're doing what God wants us to be doing, that he'll bring the blessing, he'll bring the increase, he'll do the very things that need to come to pass. So we need to be people of prayer. Last week, I challenged us to the idea of sharing our story with someone else. Just sharing your simple story of what God has done in your life. And I know many of you actually stood to your feet at the end of the gathering last week and said, I'm going to share my story. And, And maybe this week you haven't had opportunity. And we said, hey, just during the month of December, share your story with one person. Can I give you another key this morning? Pray for that moment. Pray and ask the Lord to move on your behalf in that moment. Say, God, I'm praying right now that you would prepare the heart of the individual who's going to be hearing my story. That God would move on your behalf because you're seeking his face and you're saying, God, I'm asking for you to move in this moment. That's what Peter is saying here. He says, stay wide awake in prayer. Think about it. Stay wide awake. Now, my boys uh, had some friends over this week and Uh, So they decided that they were going to stay wide awake. And they were going to stay up together and hang out. Jordan and Kasha were doing some Christmas stuff earlier in the week when she was home for the holidays. And so you got the boys, they're wanting to stay awake. You got Jordan who's wanting to stay awake. And in fact, one, as they were actually doing some Christmas decorating, uh, Kasha said, do you want to pull an all-nighter, Jordan? And Jordan said... Yes, let's do an all-nighter. We'll, we'll decorate for Christmas. It'll be great. And so Kasha uh, starts getting everything, and they're doing all the decorating, and all of a sudden Kasha looks over, and Jordan said she was just going to take a quick nap over on the couch. 
But how many know that nap turned right into sleeping? She slept all through the whole thing. And she, in the morning, she's like, Mom, why didn't you wake me up? And Kasha's like, I was just too busy taking pictures of you in that moment uh, and throwing them on Instagram and all that fun stuff. But, but she didn't stay wide awake. The boys tried to stay wide awake the other night. They didn't stay wide awake. Why? Because there's this idea of, of fatigue continuing to kind of hit us, and eventually we just begin to fall back. We're like, I'm tired. And can I just say, I think this happens in our prayer life all the time. We know the importance of talking with the Lord, but yet we allow it to fall in the back because we get tired or overwhelmed by the things that are going on around us. And can I just tell you, right now, I'm in a season just like that. Honestly. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed with what's happening I'm here. I'm overwhelmed with what's happening in my physical body. I've gotten some not-so-good doctor's reports lately. I got a stress test on Wednesday for my heart. I got possible skin cancer on my legs, and so they got to remove it. I mean, it's like all these things. It's like, oh, come on, devil, what more you got? And um, I'm in this season right now where it's like, you know what? Everything could be overwhelming right now. Everything, the lower-level project is, I mean, there's just, like, there's a lot. And the two people that I would rely on the most are leaving me. They're traitors. <laughs> they're not traitors, but they're following after what God's calling them to do. But, but that, that, then it feels like that responsibility falls right back on me to now lead in that way down there. And so it's like there's all these different pieces in here. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. The hardest thing for me to do is this. You'd think that it would be the easiest thing for me to do. But the hardest thing for me has been to pray. Because I just get overwhelmed. I get overwhelmed with all the things that are happening. This is just me being real and honest. And so when you feel like those nudges of the Holy Spirit to pray for me and to pray for our church, can I just encourage you, please do that? Because just like you, I'm, I'm in that same boat. And the Lord has just been calling me this season and my wife has been praying for me and she's just been a rock star. She has just been like that firm foundation moment the Lord's been really using her for. And she's been praying for me and praying for our church and praying for everything. And she, she serves here and she's been picking up more things and just, we're moving forward. And there are great days ahead. And this is how I know that. Not just because bad things are happened. Not just because there's challenges. Listen, that doesn't show us that God is getting ready to do greater things. You know how we know God's doing greater things and has greater things in store? Because he said it. Like, we don't have to question it. It's not whether we're going through a hard time or whether we're going through a good time. No, God's just faithful. God's a good father. And because he's a good father, that means he has good things in store for us. And so I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. And so when Peter encourages us to pray, I'm encouraging us to pray. You want to create a welcoming environment? You want to create your home and, and have, your, have your children be in a place where they feel welcome, having your neighbors feel a place where they feel welcome, having others, then you've got to pray. Spend time talking to the Lord. Stay wide awake in prayer. Here's the next one. It's love. Peter says it real well here. He says, most of all. So he says, stay awake here. And then he says, most of all. He says, love each other as if your life depended on it. Can I just say, if we would love each other as if our life depended on things would change? You know, like, I love being around people who really love me. 
It's like when, when I know someone loves me, it's like I, I just love being around them. I, I, love, I, love, I love being in, in, around them because, you know, what? I don't have to sit there and second guess where they lo- whether they love me. Their love isn't ever been dependent upon my performance or things like that. They just love me. Kasha just loves me. I think through different people in my life who have just loved me through the years. And man, that has had such an impact on my life because they just loved me. And it was in loving me. My mom this morning sends me a text and it's all these encouraging things. And she says, you know, Brian, she's like, I know that there's some things that you're facing right now. But she's like, I'm telling you, when you were a young boy, she's reminding me again. When you were a young boy, we handed you over to the Lord. And the Lord confirmed in our spirit that you were going to do great things and that God was going to use you greatly you've been committed to the Lord you are his son Brian remember who you are he she just started speaking into my identity and she just was loving me as if what as if her life depended on it because why because love makes up for practically anything think about what love covers love in fact in the ESV it says love covers a multitude of sins a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins in our lives. And so what happens is, is for you and me, we need to love one another. We talk with the Lord, and some of us need to talk with the Lord and say, God, I, I need you to help me to love the person who's sitting next to me. Because some of you, you're struggling. Marriages right now are struggling. I've had more moments with people giving biblical guidance here as of recent than any other time since I've been the pastor here. And I've been meeting with people after people after people and early morning breakfasts and, and late night meetings. I mean, it's like literally 6.30 to 9.30 at night meeting with people all throughout there. Because why? Because people need to know that they're loved. And what has to happen is we've got to stop believing the lies of the enemy that say, I'll only love my spouse, I'll only love those who are around me if they show love to me. No, that's not how it works. You love them regardless. You love them. And if you'll love them, what will happen is, is it will begin to see change happen around you because if we create a place where people know we're talking with the Lord, if we create a place where people know they're loved by others, what will happen is, is they'll feel welcomed. And Peter's saying that very same thing here. He's saying, listen, if you'll do that, then what will happen is, is it will practically make up for anything. So if the lights weren't quite right, if something wasn't right around here, but they came in and they felt loved, guess what? It wouldn't matter whether the coffee was good or bad. They'd be like, oh, I felt loved there. Now, does it help that our coffee's good? Yeah, it does. In fact, I like our coffee. It's good stuff. Man, that winter blend, oh, it's so good. That's from Trader Joe. That's, that's the real deal stuff. That's how much we love you. We don't serve no Folgers here because we love you. <laughs> Tweet that. Come on, put that out there. We don't serve you Folgers because we love you. And if you're like, I really like Folgers. Mm. I don't know. So we pray. We love. The next is this, is we prepare. We prepare. We prepare. Here, here's what the passage says. It says, be quick to give a meal to the hungry. Now, here's what's interesting about that. Be quick to give a meal to the hungry. How can you be quick to give a meal if you're not prepared? 
Some of us were like, oh, well, I, I, okay, Pastor Brian, I got prayed, talked to the Lord, okay. Okay, love other people, yes. But do you know what else has to happen? Preparation. I remember as a young boy, my mom preparing meals, not just for us, but for other people who would be coming to our house every Sunday. Does anyone remember that? Where literally you would prepare meals because you knew you were going to run to somebody, some guest, somebody that you're welcome, or maybe it's just a friend that you, you, know, you haven't been able to connect with, and you were going to look at them on Sunday morning, you were going to say, listen, after church today, I want you to come to my house, bring your wife, bring your kids, bring them all, because I got food, and we're going to eat together, and we're going to hang out. You would prepare in advance. Kasha used to do this all the time. She would put stuff in the crock pot, get it all ready, and then she'd be like, okay, Brian, who are we going to invite over for after church on Sunday? Because there's going to be someone, Brian, that you're going to connect with, and I want to create the environment for you to be able to do that. And so she would prepare. Why? Because there's this idea if we can prepare, then what will happen is, is we'll create an environment that's welcoming. It's going to take preparation. It's going to take some work. To make a quick meal and to give it to the hungry, to give a bed to the homeless, and to do it cheerfully, you're going to have to be prepared. God has entrusted you with resources, so be generous with them. With all the different things that God's given you, remember, it's God who gave you. This morning, I was uh, getting ready this morning, and the Lord was just stirring my heart. He said, Brian, I have incredible, incredible provision for you personally and for your church, the, for, for Bethany Assembly. He just spoke it to my heart, and he said this. He said, Brian, I'm telling you, the provision I have, you have to remember that it's me, not anyone else. He said, I'm just telling you right now to prepare your heart. I have a breakthrough. I have things for you that you know not of. You've been planting seed, and the seeds that you've been planting personally, the seeds you've been planting as a church body, those seeds are going to come to a harvest. And the thing that will happen is, is it's easy to look back and say, oh, it was the heart, it was the seed moment. And the Lord's like, no, 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 wait, Brian, it's not about the seed you put in. It's about me growing the seed. So it's him. I am confident in my heart and in my life that we have incredible days ahead. You know why? Because we've been planting seed in ministries and we've been planting seed in things in our community. You do not do what we've done this past year and plant the seeds like we've planted and not get to see a harvest next year. The seed is in the ground. And so guess what? We can call that seed to growth. We can say, okay, God, we're just asking that you would water it right now. God, that you would actually do that. And the Lord was reminding me, Brian, you're going to see harvest. You're going to see these things. But remember that it's me that brings it. So what do we got to do? We got to prepare. So what have we been doing all 2018? All 2018, what have we been doing? We've been preparing. Am I shocked that all this stuff's going on? No, because we've been preparing. We've been preparing. So let your heart rise and know that God has great things ahead because we got seed in the ground. We've been preparing. And when we prepare, what happens is that helps us create an environment that's welcoming so that others can experience the presence of God. The last is this. Peter shares this key with us, and it's honor. 
It's interesting because in this passage, he says it this way. It says, um, that way God's bright presence will be evident in everything through Jesus. And he'll get all the credit. He'll get all the credit. Do you know what honor does? Is honor gives credit to the one who deserves it. When we honor others, what we're saying is we're honoring God. What the Lord was reminding me about this morning is, Brian, the honor goes to me. The honor goes to me because it's been me who's been providing. It's been me who's been doing the great things. I think back to the miracles and things that have happened. Pastor Braley and I were talking this morning about the church that he's going to down in Oklahoma. Think about that for a minute. Five years old and over 4,000 people. That's some crazy growth. But what you don't know in the midst of that story was God did some crazy things. They started kind of portable in the beginning and, and the church was starting to grow. And then Hobby Lobby, the owner of Hobby Lobby, um, Tom Green got involved and they actually said, hey, we want to help build your building. And so they built them this incredible, incredible campus. And God has just continued to bless them through the faithfulness of that one person. How many of you, I, I believe this, that God can do those same type of things. And you may go, no, no one would ever do that in Adrian, Michigan. Why not Adrian, Michigan? Why not right here? Why not start believing for God to do something? We've been preparing. We've been loving other people. We've been talking with the Lord. Well, now let's make sure we honor him. Let's make sure that in the middle of what God is doing that we make sure that we continue to honor and give credit to him because he, like this passage says, he is the one who deserves the credit. He's the mighty one. He's the one who deserves the encore of all time. He's the one who gets the credit. And what will happen is, is when we create a culture of honoring one another, it's not just about honoring that person, it's actually about honoring God because each and every person has been created in the image of God. And what happens is, is when we honor other people, there are breakthroughs that begin to happen. You want to know the quickest way to see provision happen in your life? Honor those who are around you. You want to know how to get the promotion at work the quickest? Honor your boss. Honor him. Like, I mean, crazy honor him. Just show honor to them in every moment. Make sure your speech is always uplifting, that you're always encouraging them. And you know what will happen? You will see God begin to, sh to slowly bring you up through the ranks. Because why? Because honor does that. Honor opens up the blessings of God in your life. When you honor others, it is opening the blessings of God up on your life. So how do we create a welcoming environment? We pray. We love others. We love them. We love them. We prepare. We prepare the stage. We say, listen, I'm, I'm going to be ready to create a welcoming environment. And then we honor those who come through our doors. Sometimes they won't always look like you, won't always act like you. But if you'll honor them, if you'll love them, if you'll prepare the stage, if you'll talk with the Lord, then what will happen is, is we'll see a welcoming culture take place in this church. And I honestly believe our community is looking for a place where they would feel welcomed. I think they're wondering. 
Am I really welcomed? See, before you had your life all together, quote unquote, for many of you, there was a season when your life was a mess. And had it not been for a welcoming culture for you to encounter God's presence and actually see everything change, you wouldn't be where you are today. It's tis the season, folks. Tis the season to welcome. Tis the season to open the doors up of Bethany Assembly and say, come all. Come all. LGBT community, come. Be a part. Be welcomed. Not us holding our noses up and snobbery or thinking you got to have it all together. No, come. Come. The drug dealers of Adrian, come. Come on. The addicted, come. The homeless, come. We're going to create a welcoming environment for them to come. So know this. If you'll talk with the Lord, I believe he'll share with you that's his heart. It's for us to be a part of a welcoming environment. I think if you'll talk with the Lord, you'll see that he's challenging you and I to love each other and to love others who are around us. Stop getting caught up in the pettiness of everything. We get so focused on the dumbest of things. We get everything up in a wad over dumb things. I, don't, I can't tell you the amount of couples that sit in my office and say, we are like, like our fights are out of control. And they go, and here's what's crazy. The fight that started it was something dumb that didn't even mean anything. But yet we allowed it to escalate. Why? Because we stopped loving each other. We stopped honoring others who are around us. We stopped preparing the, the stage for these moments to happen. We have taken all this liberty this, this, uh, to create a welcoming environment. But you know what? Beyond trees, beyond Christmas decorations, it's the people that matter. And people could come in here and go, oh, man, the coffee's great. Oh, there was this that happened. Oh, the, the environment's great. Oh, the lighting's great. Oh, the sound's great. Oh, all those things are great. But if the people are not welcoming, they will literally leave right outside the doors. Now, I don't want to be a part of that. They weren't welcoming. Now, what I believe is that we have a welcoming culture, and I'm calling us to go to the next level. Let's create a a place for people to feel welcome, to feel engaged in God's presence. Why? Because one encounter with Jesus can change everything. Last week, 11 people in the second gathering raised their hand for salvation. That's 11 people whose lives were changed. 11 people. Is it worth it for those 11 people? Absolutely. Do I believe that God's desiring to do the same thing again today? Absolutely. But we, the people, set the environment. And my challenge is, tis the season, tis the season to welcome. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word that you've deposited on my heart. I thank you, God, that in this season and in this time right now, God, we can find ourselves maybe struggling. 
maybe struggling because it feels like everything that's going on around us maybe seems a little overwhelming, but God, I just pray this, that in the midst of everything that's going on around us, God, that you would first of all point our attention and our focus towards prayer, towards just talking with you. God, before we'd ever complain about anything, God, that we would actually be people who would take it to prayer first. Before we would ever try to figure things out on our own, that we would take it to prayer first, that we would talk with you. God, that we would allow prayer to be the very focus of our lives and our days. God, help us to love each other. Help us to love our family. Help us to love our spouses. Help us to love our kids. Help us to love our coworkers. Help us to love the people we go to church with, God. Help us to love each other. Unconditionally, God, love each other. God, help us to prepare, to prepare the way for you, God, so that people can encounter you, God, that even as a church, God, that we would prepare the way. God, that's what the lower level is all about. That's what this whole faith moves about. It's about preparing the way so that others can encounter you because we know one encounter with you, Jesus, changes everything. And so we're going to invest resources into the lower level and the kids area because, God, we believe this, that one encounter with you can change the life of a child. And literally from this day forward, they can never be the same. Just one simple encounter with you. So God, help us to prepare the way to love God, ultimately, help us to honor one another. To honor those in leadership over our lives, our, our bosses at work. God, help us to honor them. To honor the owners of the companies that we work for. God, help us to honor them. God, help us not get caught up in this idea that honor is only given to those who deserve it. No, God, we are going to honor because, God, you modeled it for us. We're going to honor other people around us. We're going to plant the seed. We're going to prepare for the harvests that are coming. So God, even now, I just pray for all those, God, in this place. God, I just believe right now, Holy Spirit, you are speaking to the hearts and lives of people in this room right now who have been dishonoring their bosses through their speech, through their actions, and right now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. You know, you know it. The Holy Spirit right now, I believe he is speaking to your heart right now. And he's saying, listen, you have been dishonoring in your workplace. And I believe the Holy Spirit right now is convicting you because he's saying, will you repent? Will you turn from that? And so right now, if that's you in this room, you're sitting here, you've been dishonoring. Would you just right now, would you just say, Jesus, forgive me? Forgive me of dishonoring. Forgive me of dishonoring with my speech. Forgive me of dishonoring with my actions. Forgive me in this moment right now. Father, I pray that in this moment of people surrendering that, God, I pray now that you would then just speak to their hearts right now of ways they can honor. Honor with their speech. Honor with their actions. God, help us as a church body. It's tis the season, Father, for us to create an environment that's welcoming. Help us in that, Father. Beyond the lights, beyond the decorations, beyond all that stuff, God, help us to be people who welcome others. 
God, we pray for those who are hurting in our community. We pray for those who are marginalized in our community. God, we pray for those who are rebellious in our community. We pray for those who would, who would actually think there's no way that church would ever welcome me. God, I pray right now that they would sense and feel your presence here that would welcome them in. And God, that in one encounter with you, we know that everything could change. But God, we're not the ones who bring about the encounter. It's you. So God, we just set the stage to create a welcoming environment. Because tis the season. God, I pray that you would be with us. That today as we leave this place, God, that we would be thinking in our minds, how can I this week spend more time in prayer? How can I this week spend more time loving others? How can I this week prepare the stage? How can I this week honor others? God, I pray that you would help us to create a welcoming environment for ultimately to see people take one step closer. One step closer in their marriage. One step closer in their finances. One step closer maybe in trusting. Maybe just one step closer into community. Father, that you would be here in this place, in these moments, and in this time.